This is Welcome to the Narthex, a weekly podcast from Langley Manuel Christian Reformed Church. The Narthex is the gathering place between the sanctuary and the world outside. For the curious to journey in and for the disciple to journey out. Whether you're a member of our church family or just peeking in for the first time, we're here to continue the conversation, explore ideas, and build connections. No frills, just real talk about faith. Welcome to the Narthex, where faith meets real life, one conversation at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Narthex. Thanks for joining us once again this week. Uh, we hope that in this conversation together that you will be able to join in, that you will be able to think more deeply and critically about life and faith and the things of life and faith. My name is Chris. I am one of the pastors at Langley Emanuel Church, and it's my privilege to host and welcome you this morning as we come uh, into the narthex together. I'm here with two of my good friends and colleagues, and they're going to introduce themselves as well. Hi, everyone. I am Kevin. I am the youth pastor here at Langley Emanuel CRC. And I am the Young Adults Ministry Coordinator. My name's Josh. Excellent. Thanks for being here with us, guys. Before we dive in too deeply, what did you get up to this weekend, Kevin? Uh, I had a good full weekend. Friday night, I celebrated Lunar New Year with some friends, and then Saturday, I spent the day with family. I actually went to um, my wife's grandpa's funeral uh, and interment service in the morning, and then uh, spent the day and afternoon with family after that, which was... um, I'm going to say lovely, even though the circumstances were less lovely. Mm. Um, and then Sunday, uh, we'll get into it. I preached in the morning and then the, had some youth event and then the Super Bowl. So lots of things. It was very fun. <laughs> um, I tried to memorize 800 words from two dead languages. So yuck. that's what I spent a lot of my time doing. That sounds riveting. <laughs> Thanks for letting us into the secret window that is Josh's Studies. weekend activities. Josh's stack of flashcards are bigger than my leg. They're longer than my leg. That's, it's longer than your foot. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Josh is a student in seminary and he's mm-hmm. studying Greek and Hebrew. So yes. there is a lot of work there. Yeah. I also had a really good weekend. I actually had the opportunity to go to Ontario and hung out with a group of guys that I have been uh, playing games with for the last six years or so. Uh, Every couple years, we try to get away for a weekend and have a bit of a guys weekend. Uh, And we got to do that in Ontario this weekend. And so we had a great time, lots of good conversations and good games. Uh, I cook a feast for us on Saturday night, which is a lot of fun. And then on Sunday morning, uh, we had really good conversation about life and faith and where God is in our lives, and uh, we were able just to share some struggles and some uh, celebrations around that. So it was just really good to be with uh, good people. And then I also got to watch the Super Bowl, but with my father-in-law and my sister-in-law back in Ontario. So that was really a fun time for me. The pictures of your feast looked unreal, so I'm sure you enjoyed yourselves with your buddies that weekend. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, Because I was away, Kevin, uh, that means you were given the opportunity to step into the pulpit. And so um, before I ask you to just sort of recap for us really quick, uh, can I just say um, my 11-year-old daughter said to me, Dad, 
you should be worried about your job because Pastor Kevin's sermon was really good. She's too kind. She is too kind. And so, Pastor Kevin, why don't you tell us about your really good sermon? What did you preach on Sunday? Well, I appreciate your daughter's encouragement, but I don't think you need to fear for your job. Though I did enjoy bringing the word to the congregation on Sunday. We looked uh, at the next portion of text in Romans, of course. We were making our way through that letter, and so we looked at Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, um, which starts off talking about how we are to not look at ourselves more highly than we ought, but to view ourselves with sober judgment, uh, with the faith God has given us, uh, and that leads into then a, a little bit of a chunk where Paul compares the church, the body of Christ, um, once again, to how we are made up of different members, and there's different parts of the body, but we all have a role to play. Uh, Christ is the head, we are the body, and... Um, the sermon then, the message coming out of that was we, as a believer, if you want to individualize it real quick, need to humble ourselves and not let um, us get in the way of figuring out who we are, but look, um, understand who we are through the lens of who Jesus is, um, which then allows us to see that the gifts that we have aren't there because we are good at it. The gifts are there because of who God's created us to be, and everything we are is because of who God is. Uh, thank you for that, and I really, really appreciated um, how you held out for us the the true source of humility and then the context in which we looked that out. I want to dig into both of those things a little bit separately. Before we get there, um, can you draw the line from, from last week, where we talked about living sacrifices, to this week for us? Yeah, so... Chris, two weeks ago, you preached, or two Sundays ago, you preached on the first two verses of Romans 12, and that really painted a picture of what our new spiritual reality is. Um, Once we stop conforming to this world and our minds are renewed in Jesus, once we accept and understand um, that we are saved by grace alone, in faith alone, because of Jesus Christ alone, once we wrap our heads around that spiritual reality, that is our new spiritual reality, today's passage, or this past Sunday's passage, talks about then coming out of that what our practical reality is, how that mm. will look in our lives. Um, yeah. Oh, the the idea of, like, what does it mean? We talked about this in the last episode. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice um, is highly connected to Christ's own sacrifice. There. It's, it's one sacrifice that we are partaking with him, and we partake in it through church by being the body of Christ. If we're doing what he does, we're, we're a part of that. And, and so, so, yeah, and so that becomes the new practical reality is, and I said it a few times on Sunday, this isn't, this isn't like an optional thing. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, this happened, and so try these few things. Mm-hmm. Paul is actually saying in this letter, your mind is renewed, therefore you will be humble, and therefore you will then become part of the body. Right, and I think that's that's the really important foundation for us to enter into here. Just as the new life that we have in Christ is, is granted to us, given to us by grace through faith, it is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Just as that new reality happens... Mm-hmm. Um, not even, as you said, once we become aware of, we do this, but even greater than that, right? Apart from our awareness of it, we are granted this new life and this new reality, um, and then we grow in our awareness of it. Likewise, we are made humble. Part of what it means to be a new creation is to be made 
humble. Part of what it means to be a new creation is to belong to a new body, right? They're, they're consequential realities, and so this is who you are. Which makes sense, because once we truly understand who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished for mm-hmm. us, and once we truly understand that we contributed nothing to our salvation, except for the sin with which we committed to mm-hmm. need salvation, it only makes sense that we become humble, because mm-hmm. we have done nothing. He has done everything. Mm-hmm. And so humility has to be the response. Well, And that, that even carries through is the, like, well, then people are going to think, well... Well, then I got to do all these things. I've got to become this better person. I've got to prepare. I've got to build myself up. I've got to, but no, it's that same God that has done everything is doing all of that in you. You're his body. You're not a separate thing that is building him up. He's building himself up through you. That's right. Sometimes um, to use the theological language that we are trying to shape Mm -hmm. in this room a little bit, sometimes we think that like justification is the act of God, right? By mm-hmm. grace, through the uh, work of the Holy Spirit, to quicken our dead-in-sin selves to new life. And then the responsibility shifts, mm-hmm. and that sanctification becomes all our work. But over and over and over again in Scripture, the work of sanctification is mm-hmm. the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our lives. And so that that responsibility or that that burdening is actually like a returning to the the legalism and to the burden of the law that says this I must do in order to be part of God's family. When instead, like it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Well, and there's a parallel with, and you see Jesus say this every once in a while, where he says, "I, I do not do what I want to do. I do what the Father does. Right? We don't do what we do. We do what Christ does." And there's that parallel. Of, it's it's just chains of giving to the other, self that service to the other, and it's the father gives to the son, the son gives to his to his body, his bride, and then just compounds. Yeah. Well, and so Paul, when he talks about the body in Ephesians five, he will say, "Submit to one another out mm-hmm. of reverence for Christ." That's the practical working of our humility. Yeah. Kevin, on Sunday you gave, uh, I thought, a really good working definition of humility because it, um, like it, was, it was a good biblical definition rather than kind of a cultural one. And so would you share that? I believe it was something along the lines of we understand who we are through the lens of who Jesus is. And so if we are understanding who we are by comparing ourselves to what other people are doing, um, be that for social reasons, be that for athletic reasons, be that for corporate reasons, even be it for personal reasons, we are not understanding who we are through the lens of Jesus. We're actually understanding who we are through the lens of others. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand who Christ is and what Christ did to, to see and to understand who we are. And once we do that, humility will become the default setting of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is the point that my daughter latched on to. Or at least I pray that this is the point that my daughter latched onto. Uh, because in our world today, and you did a good job of describing this, it's so easy to compare ourselves. And we compare ourselves on, on both ends of that uh, sliding shoulder-checking perspective, right? We compare ourselves and we think we're better, and we compare ourselves and uh, we, we hate what we see. 
Yes, and I think those were the two outcomes that we hit on on Sunday was one of two things happens when we compare ourselves to others and made a special point of highlighting how often we do this online, especially. We are Mm. comparing ourselves on the social media platforms that we uh, log into each and every day constantly. But one of two outcomes comes from that. You either become prideful and arrogant and say, oh, I'm better than that, or I have more than them, or I'm more successful than them, or you become more anxious and depressed because your life isn't as good as the snapshots of people's lives appear to be. Which are both self-obsessive. Which, exactly. And now you're not, once again, you're not looking at yourself through the lens of Jesus. You're looking at your own life and who you are through the lens of other people. Which, and like... We say that they're both self-obsessive, and it's there. It's wrong for that. But there's also like that the proud self-obsessive is bad in its own right, whereas the self-obsessive in the depressive state is sad. And it's there's there there's hope in Christ because of that, and there's uh, accountability in coming to Christ from self-pride. That there's the the approach is different. It's not you're bad because you're depressed because you're focusing on yourself. But yeah, there's hope. And in that place where we begin to see ourselves uh, or look at ourselves through the lens of Jesus, um, as we are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, Mm -hmm. that lens also kind of becomes a mirror. Yeah. Right? To to sort of start mixing metaphors here, but then we see ourselves as Jesus sees us because we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is we talk about, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ's life, his death, his resurrection. Uh, he ascended to heaven, and now Jesus is sitting in heaven, and when God the Father sees us, he also sees mm-hmm. Jesus. And so that's, again, part of the humility in which we have, is that Jesus is up in heaven yep. mediating on our behalf and is the lens that God sees us through. <laughs> Uh, can I make an analogy from a movie? It's a direct analogy. Only if it's a good analogy, Josh. Okay, so we're all familiar with the infamous movie Bruce Almighty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, say what you want about the theology in many places in the movie, but it is about a guy who God hands over his power for a short time so God could take a vacation. God doesn't actually do that because you see so many times where God is still holding the world together. I just want to make a point that Josh did scare quotes around yes. hands over power, but this is a podcast of people yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. did that. You're right. So, but yes. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to, he's very self-obsessed about his own life and he's using the powers for himself. Um. And, but it's ruining his self-obsession is ruining his life. Um, And in the end, there's this moment where he's weeping in the rain and he says, I, I can't do this. I submit to your will. I I can't be God. Uh, And like, that's when God steps in and he's just like, yeah, like this whole thing was breaking him down. But like that, that understanding of when we are self-focused, when we're, on everything is our own thoughts for our own benefits, trying to get God to work for ourself. It falls apart. Whereas then through this transformation of submitting and being Mm -hmm. humble and giving to God, what is rightfully his, you see this man enter his community and benefit the world around him with nothing. 
he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have anything. And the community benefits from him. This is why I love you, Josh, because <laughs> you can memorize 4,000 Hebrew words, words in one sitting and then bring up Bruce Almighty in our podcast and do an excellent job applying it to Romans 12. <laughs> I think um, as you were uh, preaching, um, I was reminded of a quote from C.S. Lewis when he's talking about humility. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciate about that quote, especially the second part of it, uh, when you think of yourself self less, that is less often, right? Um, you're putting others in front of you. You're putting God in the proper place of uh, the throne of our hearts. That's exercised in community, which is exactly where this text goes and where you took us. And so um, being humbled in heart and self finds its living out in community. And so how does how did you make that transition in your message? Well, I mean, Paul does that by default once he starts talking about the body of Christ. And he does this here in Romans 12, and he does it elsewhere as well. We talked about um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We compared this text to a lot, because 1 Corinthians 12 is a big chapter in the Bible about the body of Christ. It's, pro it's a lot longer, actually, than this one as well. Um, but looking at how God has given us all gifts, mm -hmm. and we are to use that to serve the body. That is the calling that we have. And so um, in both of those passages, while using the same analogy as the body, that we are, we are all given certain gifts, um, and we are all members of this body to, do, to use those gifts and to serve those gifts, um, we come to see how, though our faith sure is personal, it is not individualistic. Uh, and Christianity um, is always corporate. Well, and that's what's cool about the gifts that Christ gives, that the Spirit gives, is that they're always outward focused. Mm. Yeah, they're never for yourself. Yeah, they're always for the the language you used yeah. and then defined for us. Right, was the edification of the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. The the developing, the discipling, the further making holy, setting apart to God's purposes of the body. But it, but it's crazy because the the gift you be given, your purpose can never be realized unless it's done to another. Hmm. It, it has to be corporate. It has to be. And so you can't find who you are or your purpose as a human unless it's benefiting someone else. And then not only just someone else, and we'll, yeah. we'll get into this, I'm sure, right now, but, I mean, Paul is very specific in this passage. You're talking about the body. Yeah. And so there's a calling for us, like, if we are to... If we are who we say, if we are looking at ourselves and understanding who we are through the lens of who Jesus is, we need to be a part of the body. We need to be a part of the church. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's where we land with this uh, is, um, and again, we could talk about the church, little t, little c, or the church, capital T, capital C, um, but we need to be a part of that body. We yep. need to be moving in that way. Well, and so I do think that's a worthwhile question to to dig into, especially um, in in today's culture and climate. And we'll, and I'll get to that part in just a second. But but help me understand, um, or help the listener understand the the connection between the local church and the corporate body of Christ, because those two aren't exactly synonymous, right? Um, but there are definitely some um, through lines. Well, I think there's always, I, I mean, there's different literature out there, if you want to use that. In our denomination, we have these creeds and confessions that we lean on, um, and they would talk about, um, 
the church is both organism and institution. And so if you're talking about the church's organism, that's sort of the global body of mm-hmm. Christ moving as God's hands and feet in this earth. Um, but then the church is also institution. There are many local churches that do that, and while those churches can work together as well, um, as soon as you set yourself up with, you know, we meet at Sunday at 10 o'clock, at, and we have this pastor, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now you've got institution language. Uh, and so the church is both of those things. It's not an either or, and not one is greater than the other. Both of those are true. The church is also um, militant, as in it is, it is out there um, working for Jesus, fighting the good fight, if you will, but also triumphant, because through Christ all has been won mm-hmm. and defeated already. And so um, there's other comparisons like that, but... Visible and invisible. Visible and invisible is, is a good one. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also important, the, the militant triumphant bit, the triumphant piece also includes the cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. who have gone on before us, right? Who are in heaven cheering us on. And so the militant aspect is those of us on the ground, you know, uh, doing the work of the gospel, revealing the kingdom come and kingdom coming. And triumphant uh, is those who have run the race, their eyes were fixed on Jesus, and now they are in glory with him, cheering on those of us who are here. And now raising prayers of sweet incense before the throne of the Lord. Yeah. And so when we're talking about the church, and we're trying to figure out, oh, are we talking about the global church or the local church? The answer is yes. Like, we're talking about both of those things, because right. they go hand in glove. Well, and eventually when we get to Mars, it's going to be interstellar church. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. It will be. Um, Not maybe, just global. Thank, maybe, you, thank you, Elon Musk, I guess. <laughs> maybe you could be the first missionary on Mars. Josh. I'm really hoping. First missionary on another planet, that is... You go live your life, Josh. <laughs> So connected to this, of course, is um, in in local churches especially, and here you're talking about the church visible and invisible, um, local churches, of course, are made up of um, people who who have been converted to Christ, people who are being converted to Christ, and Lord willing, every local church has people in it who are currently unconverted to Christ. Um, And so... That, and that's what I mean when we talk about the body and the local church, is that they're not exactly synonymous, mm-hmm. and yet what I think is important to say, that the, the place where you encounter the body is the local church. And if you are, to get to the, the point of Paul's message here, where we are to use our gifts for the body, when we are using our gifts for the local church, we are serving the local church but we are also, Lord willing, serving the global church, the greater church, mm-hmm. um, the the organism church. Yeah. So there's... Um, the reason why I want to labor this point a little bit is because uh, it's, it's less popular to say now, but in the early 2000s, it was kind of a cultural meme to say, I love Jesus and I hate the church. People would be like, I... I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a Christian, I follow Jesus, or I'm not, I don't go to church, I, yeah. I mm-hmm. follow the Lord, I'm a disciple of Christ. Yeah, and so that, that's, that sort of, like, love Jesus, hate the church is less of a cultural meme, although it is um, perhaps exponentially more present uh, in the kind of deconstructionist movement that has been sort of popularized in the last number yeah. of years. And you, you had a quote from Kevin DeYoung that spoke to that perfectly. It's an awesome quote. 
So I'm going to read that quote again, um, because I think it's worth keeping in our, our minds. But your quote was, to divorce our love for Christ from our love for the church is to decapitate the head from the body, a decorpsified Christ. And I, I find that quote, because of the image it creates in my mind, uh, really compelling for its terror. Mm-hmm. The idea of Christ without a body is terrifying. And I think um, it, for Christ, too, right, it is an impossible reality, right? Christ who, uh, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. The joy set before Christ is the bride of Christ. The body is the church. Mm-hmm. That's why he endured. And so for us to to try to separate those two things out, um, I think is a, a terrifying reality. Well, it's the equivalent of spiritual divorce. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the language yeah. even Kevin yeah. DeYoung used earlier yeah. in, that, in that quote, is if you divorce yourself from yeah. the body yeah. of Christ, this is what it leads to. Now... There are lots of reasons uh, that I have heard and that you have heard for people who who leave a church or who stop attending or participating in the fellowship. And I just wonder, like, what are a couple of those that you have heard? Just really quick, kind of kind of name some of those because there are for sure listeners who um, are experiencing this or wondering this or who have this in their own life or in the lives of the people they love. Uh, and so, help us empathize and identify with that reality. I, I know. Well, and I think we'll get into some of the reasons that, I mean, there's, unfortunately, there's some good reasons why people leave the church as well. But I think one of the ones I hear so often is, um, you know, what is the church doing for me? I don't need the church. I can read books. I can, I don't need, what is a pastor going to teach me that, you know, Christians for dummies won't? And Mm -hmm. so the idea of church not fulfilling some need in their life is one. Well, and, and I also want to be really clear, like you say Christians for dummies, um, but it's also like the reality of like autodidacts, self-taught uh, geniuses mm-hmm. uh, today is more common because of the internet, because of YouTube University, because of our accessib- the accessibility of information. Uh, and so the reality is, and I say this as a, as a pastor, um, there are countless people in my congregation who are smarter than me, who know more than I do, who could uh, out-debate me uh, in, in the midst of that. Um, and so it's very possible that you are smarter than your pastor. I mean, if you're a member of this church, it's likely. <laughs> it's, I just, I know that, and that's a very common one because, and again, we don't need to dig into all this data and research, but... There was a lot of concern a handful of years ago, still is, about the nuns, the 20-somethings who are leaving the mm-hmm. church um, because they never quite clicked or they don't feel part of the community or uh, they never felt like they were mentored or taught or churches were ignoring some certain conversations or hot topics. But at the same time, and this was discussed far less, there was another demographic of people leaving the church, the duns, uh, and they were your 50-plus-year-olds um, who had just had enough. And they said, I've been giving and giving and giving and giving, and I'm not seeing any return on my investment. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so they were leaving as well. So that's another reason why people have left. Yeah. You've also got, like, on the on the darker end, you've got abuses. You've got stuff like the Boston Times report on, like, the spotlight, the movie Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. And so people on the internet or in the rest of the world make 
bad assumptions with connecting all churches to that abuse. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's really important to name, for, like pastorally. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some really good reasons and some really obvious yeah. reasons why people will leave a church. And, and trauma, uh, abuse mm-hmm. is one of them. Um, and, and I don't want to minimize that. Um, and, and I think it's also like a good reason to, to leave a church is if that church isn't, isn't teaching and preaching the full counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Right. If that church isn't uh, teaching, preaching, and then calling forth the practice of what it yeah. means to be a Christian, that you aren't being fed there, you aren't being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, that is a, a good and okay reason to leave the church. But there it seems to me that something is lost when we can't hold up the commitment to the body for which we have been recreated, even in the midst of these traumas, even in the midst of these these hardship. It seems to me that instead of being humble, we're, th- we're thinking of ourself mm-hmm. in, in that moment. Um, and I want to be really clear, like, I want you to feel protected, right? I want you to feel like the people around you um, are looking out for you. But that's also part of the body's job, right? It's the body's job to protect you in the midst of that trauma. Well, and that's why, like you said, we're not, we don't want to minimize that because there are very real and very hard reasons why people leave, and I'll say people leave a church. Mm. Um, but I think, and this is not something that's a, a flash in the pan or a simple solution or anything like that, the goal should always be, even if you've had to leave a church for a reason like that, the goal should always still be, how am I still going to be part of the church? So how am I going to be able to get through those doors again yeah. one day? Not the same church, but a different one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's not an easy task. Like the problem of pain is the oldest and has been the most effective argument against the religious life, against God. It's not right. It's still wrong. But pain doesn't allow you to think It you're just focused on the pain. Yeah. It's the nature of it. And so when it's severe enough, it it becomes near impossible to rationalize your way through. And so it requires a community to surround the individual who is in pain. It requires the rest of the body to help out those cells that are dying. Yeah. And I think while there are obvious and clear stories and you can read about them everywhere you want because that's how our media works, um, the stories that don't often get told are how churches are a part of the healing and how mm-hmm. churches are a part of the building up and the growing. And that's something you don't you don't see memes of that on social media. Yep. You don't see stories like that in the news. Um, but there are many stories of how the church mm-hmm. um, is operating in a very healing and a very, um, I'll use the word again, a very edifying way yeah. for one well, another. And that requires some people to be living sacrifices to serve the other Absolutely. with their gifts. And so maybe that's a good place to to land the plane. But even as we say land the plane, please know that mm-hmm. um, if this conversation has sparked something for you or uh, if this conversation has triggered something in you, like we want to follow up. We want to connect. And so there are various ways that you could reach out to us. You could find them on the socials and on the platforms. Um, 
myself and Kevin and Josh, like we are here for you and to have these conversations. But let's end by by telling a, a story or two of that. And so, um, is there a story or a circumstance that you can call to mind that that displays the beauty of the body at work? I'm going to use a, a general one, and and then maybe this one's uh, it's really close to my heart, um, and maybe for many of you listeners, it's not a huge surprise. We have a youth ministry in our church of 40-ish youth. Um, Out of that youth ministry of 40-ish youth, we have 18 young youth leaders. Some of us, like myself, aren't that young anymore. But um, there are at least a dozen, maybe 14 youth leaders who are in their 20s. Um, And the passion and the loyalty and the grace and the time that these Mm -hmm. young people put into our youth ministry at our church is an absolute beautiful thing to see and it's one of the things that keeps me going to be honest with you is the love that I have for these uh, youth leaders and the love that I have for these youth and how they um, operate within each other in a pretty cool and unique way yeah um, this one is in no way meant to be self gloating or stuff like that but there was a friend of mine in a friend group who was struggling between going to church and going to different denominations and struggling with theology and being bored like we brought up earlier um and being smarter than the pastors of the churches that he was going to um and he he eventually landed on a church but it like our group of friends were trying to be the church for him because he was trying struggling to uh, to continuously go to the same church until we were like, and he was like debating in his mind over, should he go to this one? Should he go to that one? And we all just said, go to one, just go to partake, go to the catechism, talk to the pastor, sit with him a couple times, just go get involved. Doesn't matter. The church will be there for you because you are giving to it. So, and I think um, I have one personal story I'll tell really quickly, and that's when we, we moved here to Langley um, a little over three years ago now, and uh, we lived in Ontario before, and we had a neighbor who was a little old uh, woman, a widow who lived on the street, who was just flabbergasted that we would pick up our family and move out of a community that we love, that we had 10 years of deep roots in, mm-hmm. uh, family close by, um, like biological family as well as church family close by, and that we would just move across country to a land we knew not of. We had no roots, no connections. Um, and the reason I gave her that we could do that was we knew that there was a community of people, a body of people, a family of people who would be here waiting for us with excitement and willing to serve, mm-hmm. willing to connect and willing to embrace us. And that has borne itself out over and over and over again. And then the last one I want to share is not my story, but I think it's a beautiful image of exactly what we're talking about. We have uh, an elder in our church who has uh, been walking with uh, an, a senior member of our congregation, a woman who's been going through some health concerns, and part of his care for her required him to change a toilet seat. He installed a toilet seat for her, and if that isn't the the 
body humbling itself and serving one another mm-hmm. uh, in the most unexpected places, I don't know what is. And I think that's an awesome picture of the church at work. Amen. Kevin, thank you for your preaching on Sunday. I know this episode has been a little bit longer, um, but I think we've hit some really important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before we wrap up, I just want to turn uh, and take a quick opportunity to share some moments in mission that have been happening in our lives. And so I'm going to start, Josh, with you. Uh, yep. What is a moment in mission that you can highlight for us today? Um, our church had some cake after service for a couple that got to their 50th wedding anniversary, which was beautiful. Amen. Another example of the body celebrating. <laughs> Last week, they at the Christian school up the hill, the seniors had seniors night, which is all of the senior athletes, the grade 12s, uh, were um, highlighted and, and remembered. And then there was the senior girls played at six, the senior boys played at eight. And uh, Chris, you were there, Josh, you were there, I was there, mm-hmm. a bunch of youth leaders came on out as well. We had a good time hanging out They played out basketball, right? They did play basketball, yeah. 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 You remembered, Josh. Well done. I got the right sport. <laughs> yep. No, that was, a, that was a fun night, and it was great to see so many from our community also there supporting the, the youth. Uh, for myself, just had a really good opportunity last week to have a number of really meaningful conversations about life and faith. Uh, a couple of them celebrating God's goodness in the life of other people, and a couple of them really entering into the struggles of personal uh, relationship issues and faith concerns. Um, and it is a unique privilege of uh, my position and our work here as pastors in the church to hear those stories and to see God continuing to do that. So we're really grateful for that opportunity and to see that here. Likewise, uh, grateful for the opportunity to continue these conversations with you all here. And so as we step out of the narthex into our everyday lives, we encourage you to keep the conversation going. Thanks for joining us this week. And on behalf of Kevin and Josh, this is Chris saying God bless, go in peace, and see you Sunday.